Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 34 and we're recording on September 6th. I'm Sharif Williams coming to you from Book Riot and today... While Jen is off having magical adventures somewhere, we're having some podcast crossover fun times with uh, guests Mallory O'Meara and Bria Grant from the Reading Glasses podcast. And today we're going to be talking about dead people. Hooray! Our favorite subject. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's so wonderful. Um, But before we get started, I'm going to quickly remind you guys about a fun giveaway we're running on the site right now, and that is our Kidlit giveaway. So we're giving away a six-month subscription to Owl Crate Jr., which is a bookish subscription box for readers ages 8 to 12 or those who are young at heart. I have honestly received one of these, and it was very fun, and I enjoyed it myself. But each of these boxes features a new release middle grade novel, exclusives from the author, and three to five usable goodies that fit the month's theme and encourage creativity and learning. So if you're interested in entering, you can enter right now. You can go to bookriot.com slash giveaway. So I love your show. I love the reading glasses. And for, yeah. (laughs) And for those out there who might not know the show or might not know what you guys do, can you give us a little intro? So we like to say that Reading Glasses is a book show where we don't talk about books. Uh, We are, unlike a lot of the Book Riot podcasts, we actually don't review books. Reading Glasses is much more focused on reader culture. You know, so it doesn't matter what you read or how you read it. We sort of, we we review book tech. We talk about different library apps and how to get out of a book slump. And we often review guests. Sometimes we have solo episodes, but it's really a whole show all about stuff that readers care about. Yeah, and we answer questions from readers, listener problems. Um, and we do talk about what we're reading every week so you get a little insight into what we're doing. But we, yes, we love to solve all, oh, we have a lot of listeners who write in and ask us to solve their reader problems, their bookish questions, and we are here to help you out. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being here today. It's going to be so fun. Um, but before we share our recommendations of books about dead people, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to talk about some recent news. And before that, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is Legendary, uh, Flatiron Books and Legendary by Stephanie Garber. So after being swept up in the magical world of Caravel, Donatella Dragna has finally escaped her father and saved her sister Scarlet from a disastrous arranged marriage. The girl should be celebrating, but Tella isn't yet free. She made a desperate bargain with a mysterious criminal and the time to repay the debt has come. So if some of you might remember Caravel came out by Stephanie Garber, that book cover was everywhere. A lot of people loved it, and it was a New York Times bestseller. And now this is the sequel to Caravel. So thank you so much to Flatiron Books and to Legendary by Stephanie Garber for sponsoring today's episode. So let's, oh, that sounds awesome. I know, yeah. I uh, I have it on my shelf, but 
I am one of those people who has a giant TBR stack that I never get to. So I think that's uh, all of us. That's every yeah. person. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, do you, so do you guys have any uh, preference? What do you guys want to talk about for news? Is there anything specific? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm feeling really excited now that we're heading in where it's you know as far as I'm concerned as soon as it's September 1st it's officially autumn and I know that Mike Flanagan has directed a, a series of The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson for Netflix and I'm very very excited about it I'm interested to see it's sort of a reimagining of the book yes uh, and I'm a huge Shirley Jackson fan I love Haunting of Hill House so I'm very interested to see what he does with it Yeah, I looked at it, and at first I thought, of course, whenever I see these things, I'm like, oh, they're doing another movie, but then I realized it was a series, and then I read the description, and it does seem like it's very, very loosely based on it, because it says, it describes it as, um, it says it explores a group of siblings who grew up in what would become the most famous haunted house in the country. Now they're adults, they're forced back together in the face of tragedy, and the family has to confront the ghosts of their past. So it sounds very different from Shirley Jackson's uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which is a book I also love. Um, I love everything she writes. So I am also curious. I'm always kind of nervous about these things, but I feel like it's kind of distant enough from the story that I don't have to be too worried. And they've already adapted this a few times. So Oh, there's so many Haunted of Hill House. Haunted um, the Haunting of Hill House yeah. adaptations. I and think, they're all not great. <laughs> and I'm coming at it from a different angle in that I haven't read the book, but I actually read the pilot uh, oh. script. And so um, I thought it was quite good and super interesting. Um, I, you guys can probably tell me more than, uh, than I, I just haven't read it. So, I, But it's like, you know, it, it the pilot script is revolves around a kind of like screwed up family. Is that the same? No. Okay. So that's why Haunting, I mean, Haunting of Hill House is one of, the, I think, the best haunted house stories ever. And there's not it's not yes. a family thing. It's a group of people going to investigate this haunted house. Ah, so we'll, uh, we'll see what Mike Flanagan does with it. I love Mike Flanagan, though. I think yes. he's a talent. He's a he's a major talent. What you should watch out for that, Mike Flanagan. <laughs> he's doing all sorts of things. Someone should hire that guy to make a series. Anyway, he says that he's doing a lot. He's, it says that he's also directing uh, Stephen King's Doctor Sleep, which was yeah. also news to me yeah. when I read this. So, well, he directed. I loved Hush that he did for Netflix. When he was, did Gerald's uh, this adaptation of the Stephen King book, Gerald's Game, and people really like oh, yeah. that. So it I seems it like he has great. a good uh, handle on adaptations. So we'll see. Yeah, and that's a tough adaptation in Gerald's Game because it all takes place mostly in one woman's mind, and he <laughs> was able to do it really well. I really liked it. That's always amazing when they can do that. I read books sometimes where that's the case, and I'm like, could never be adapted. Just yeah. <laughs> that's not true. But then they try. They try always. They do. They do. And that's like when it works out, it's pretty amazing to see. So I, I'm also hopeful for this adaptation. I am going to try and stay open and positive for once. <laughs> um, I think I want to talk about these Chia Pets. I literally just dropped this in here like five minutes ago because I was like, looking around on the internet and I saw Chia Pets and strange. So they're coming out with new Chia Pets, which by the way, I didn't realize was still a thing. I don't know if you, do you guys remember Chia Pets? I def- I had one. Me I too. Oh, yes. 
and I just thought that it was like a weird thing that died in the nineties. Mine was like a little a little pig or something. I think it was like a tiny pig. What oh was yours? Gosh. I think it was just like a, something like that. It was whatever the default chia pet was. Whoever got me this chia pet didn't put a ton of thought into it. Just got like the OG <laughs> chia pet. And it's gross. I remember it being gross. Like you put you like made this like paste and, and you put it, it smeared it on top of the chia pet, but then it didn't Ew. grow. I was really I thought it was very cool when I was a kid, but also remember how gross it was. Oh, we also <laughs> didn't have, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, so my grandmother was like, "We're not getting another one of those." So she like filled a styrofoam cup with a bunch of dirt and planted some grass in it <laughs> and drew a face on it and was like, "There you go." <laughs> She's not wrong. That is what it is. <laughs> Truly, that's what it is. <laughs> so now, like the little kid in me who didn't get the fancier another fancy chia pet is kind of like. I would buy a Stranger Things Chia Pet. I kind of want that. Wait, so tell us more about, I didn't get to look at this link. So it's it's Stranger Things, yeah. Yeah, I'm so busy laughing at the idea of this. Okay, so so they are coming out with some new types of Chia Pets. There's Stranger Things. It sounds like there's like a whole host of them, but these are like the more, you know, science fiction fantasy selection. So there's Stranger Things. There's Ghostbusters, which sounds really exciting to me. Predator, Gremlins, and then there's Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that yeah. is so smart. That is a really smart idea. I also like the idea of a Gremlins one because you could do like a like there. That's definitely could be really adorable. Yes, I'm looking the, at the Gizmo one and it looks a little creepy. But oh, is it creepy? <laughs> it de- well, okay, yeah, people, that's fair. I feel like the people buying that kind of want the creepy. And also, what do. if he grows the stuff out of his eyes? I don't like that idea. Oh, that is. Uh, I guess we'll have to see the growing situation in these ones. Mm. Yeah, Demi Gorgon from Stranger Things would make a good chia pet. I, I'm really excited about the person out there whose job it was to reimagine these like monsters as. Geopets. What is it from Stranger Things? Is it the kids? It's I, the kid. The one. The, the picture they show is that one kid. Gosh, I'm so bad at names. The kid oh with gosh. the hat. <laughs> oh, Galen. with the curly hair. Yes, yes. Galen from the. Yeah, I no. I totally thought it was going to be the Demi Gorgon, and now I'm really creepy. Out. Wow, <laughs> that kid is going to be a chia. I would be offended as an actor. I would be offended if you someone made me. You into never, a totally. never ever want to be a Bria Grant chia pet. No, I don't think so. I know what you're getting for your birthday. <laughs> A styrofoam cup with your face on it. (laughs) (laughs) What a wonderful gift. How much do they they run? This doesn't even say. I mean, I feel like it can't possibly be more than like, I don't know, $20. But this article doesn't say, but it does say they don't even go on sale until November 28th because they're obviously trying to make this like Christmas gift stuff but Groot is already available for those of you out there who cannot wait to get your hands on a ridiculous chia pet so somebody out there who's been waiting like 25 years for for like a new wave of chia pets and is finally finally there it's like yes this is well everything I wanted this is what I loved from the 80s and the 90s my time has come like all this nostalgic stuff, Stranger Things in itself is super nostalgic. So you know what? That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, mean, fanny packs already came back. Why not chia pets? Unfortunately, I am not on the fanny pack. If there are Stranger Things and Ghostbusters fanny pack, I am not going to be on that bandwagon. I just want everybody to know. <laughs> I'm 
I am with you. I do not. I already have a cat on my lap all the time. I don't need another uncomfortable <laughs> thing stuffed across my my lap. Yeah, I don't know. I'm considering the fanny back because I was thinking Wait, about no. how convenient oh, no. it would be They've when I'm on like you. you've already once you've already considered it. You're because I'm you're, like, like you're in a cult. I have to save you from this. Okay, I have a dog, and like if I was on a walk, I could put like the poop bags in there, my phone in there. I was just like, it could be so easy. You just strap it on when you're ready to go. Already lost to me. I listen. You have free hands. Think about that. Two free hands. Oh. What a, what a, what an amazing thing the fanny pack is. Oh man. I don't know what to say either. <laughs> What's weird is like this. I'm I think I'm older than both of you and I remember fanny I had a fanny pack like when I was younger and so like I think right like it's weird that I would be considering it and y'all wouldn't be considering it. But I was around for the fanny you pack. Just, you can't fit book in a fanny pack. That's I my I feel like problem. you had to be like a child of the 80s to like really be involved in fanny pack culture. Yeah, <laughs> I was totally a child of the 80s. Okay, I think okay. I had a fanny pack too, but I always felt like because I was all, all already such a huge nerd that I was like oh no now like I knew it added nerd I had glasses and braces like I really needed all the help I could get and fanny pack was not fanny packs weren't doing me any favors okay well now obviously somebody's gonna hear this and they're gonna make some nostalgic stranger things fanny packs as well and we can blame ourselves okay I'm into it one client one client they got you okay well we're actually let's see yeah i think we're running out of time so we're gonna do this is an abbreviated news thing we gave you the most important stuff it's chia (laughs) pets and the haunting of hill house so i'm gonna (laughs) yeah exactly so i'm gonna tell you the second sponsor for today's show and then we're gonna get right into recommending some books so we are sponsored by hmh hmh teen and Grim Lovelies by Megan Shepard. And this is from the best-selling author of the Madman's Daughter trilogy comes Grim Lovelies, the first in a glittering new epic YA series where secrets have been long buried, friends can become enemies, and everything, especially humanity, comes at a price. This is perfect for fans of Marissa Mayer, uh, Holly Black, and Cassandra Clare. I love Holly Black. It's called A Darkly Enchanting Saga, bound to attract fans of Leigh Bardugo. Uh, That was from Entertainment Weekly. So this is again from Megan Shepard. It's dark YA fantasy. And if you're into dark YA fantasy like I am, for sure, you can check out Grim Lovelies again by Megan Shepard. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Let's talk about dead people. Yes, we were so excited when we found out the subject of this episode was dead people because I had so many recommendations for this. I really had to pare it down to two that I think that people or one of them I think people might associate with dead people, but the other one I think people might not. So I was very, very excited to talk about weird dead people stories because we both love those. I think this actually this theme came uh, as a recommendation from Liberty. Of course. What a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody out there who knows Liberty Hardy, who's a writer and velocireader, very much into dead people. As are we all, it sounds like. So who wants to kick it off? Who wants to give their... Let's start with maybe uh, fantasy. 
yeah, I am. I am ready. I have two different two. My two recommendations. One is like YA urban fantasy, and one is much more literary fantasy, magical realism. So you can choose your adventure here. Uh, my first one, the YA fantasy, YA urban fantasy, is Undead Girl Gang by Lily Anderson. And I, this is this book came out this year as a 2018 release, and it, it so far is one of my favorite releases of the whole year. It is so much fun, and it makes you. It's one of those books that balances all the fun you're having with all the feels you're feeling at the same time Mm -hmm. and it's just so sweet and it's such a great examination of female friendships but also just like fun witch stuff so the main character is she's in high school she doesn't fit in she's kind of goth she hates everybody because she's a teenager but she her and her best friend used to practice witchcraft but her best friend has just died and the entire town thinks and also trigger warnings for mentions of suicide so skip ahead like to my next recommendation, if that's something that you don't want to hear about, totally understandable. Uh, but every, so everybody in the town thinks that her best friend killed herself, but her, but she thinks differently. She thinks there's no way that this could have happened. So she decides to try to see if she can find a spell to resurrect her friend. And the whole time that she was doing witchcraft with her best friend, she didn't really believe in it. She was just kind of doing it as like a fun thing to hang out with her best friend until the spell happens and I'm not going to tell you what happens, but there's a, a multiple dead people involved and a mystery, like it's a murder mystery, but her interacting with her best friend, like it's so funny and it's so fun and you just fall in love with this character. And I, I cannot recommend this book enough. I just love it so much. I've been wanting to read that actually. It's been I on my list. You can borrow it. Oh, it's really, really, and the cover is really, really good. If you like enamel pins, this cover, yes. the cover is like, it looks like a jean jacket. It's like a close up on a jean jacket with a bunch of cool pins on it. And I was like, man, this book is cool. I, Mallory doesn't let anyone borrow books, but she seems to be often enough to where she'll let me borrow them sometimes. We're using the, nice. the sacred circle. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a my special. Books. That sounds like a special place. I love this book too. Um, I read it a while back and I, if you hadn't chosen this one, I definitely would have because it's so, I agree. It's absolutely like if you were ever like a goth kid, you'll totally get it and you'll understand where the main character is coming from. She like is so sarcastic and so wry and cynical and funny in her own way. I love this book too. I love everything about it. And I want those enamel pins. We were all talking <laughs> yes. about it on Book Riot. Like, where can we find them? We think we saw them on Instagram somewhere. Did somebody get some promo pins? Like, I was in a panic. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. If anybody knows about those pins, hook hook us up. Enamel pins, they're really having a moment. They really yes. are. That's mm-hmm. one thing I'm very happy that came back. Were you a goth kid? Who, me? Yeah, no, I know Mallory. Oh, that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still am. <laughs> yeah, I was very much a goth. I was a goth kid and then a goth. I guess I'm still goth. Like, <laughs> I, so, I was like a goth teen until now, but I don't like feel. I feel like I'm entitled to wear other colors now other than black because I was such a I was a goth kid for such a long time like I feel like I've earned my cred I don't have to prove anything but I still like go to the goth club once in a while and do those things and I'm still drawn to those books so yeah, yeah. nice I hear you that is, that is my my forever lifestyle 
Uh, and so my second pick is a book called The Ghost Bride by Yangtze Chu. And it, this one, again, is more literary fantasy. And it's so interesting. This book is, became it feels like this book became becomes several different books as you read it. And the premise is so fascinating. It's about this woman and she's living in Malay and she's of Chinese, like her, she's from a Chinese family, but they're really down on their luck. And the, you know, her, her mother has passed away, passed away when she was a kid and her dad just sort of smokes opium all day and he's let all of his business prospects go. And she just kind of hangs out by her. Like she doesn't really leave the house very often. She's not allowed to leave the house without a chaperone. So her days were kind of boring until one day her dad sort of casually mentions that there's been a marriage proposal from one of his old business contacts, but it's a very unusual one. There, uh, one of his old business contacts, the son has passed away and they want her to marry his ghost. They want him to like marry him, her to marry him. And like, you know, she just would like go through with the wedding by herself and like marry. And she's like, I'm not doing that. That is way, way too weird. But then she starts getting haunted by this guy who really wants to marry her. And she freaks out. Under- like an insistent ghost. Yeah. <laughs> so free. And it's so horrible. funny. Cause you're just like, this is my worst nightmare is like, I can't even sleep without getting bothered by this creepy guy. And, and then, so she really starts looking into the, like the world of the undead and of the, and of the dead and of ghosts. And she gets like, goes on this sort of crazy adventure in like, and it, I think one of my favorite things about this book is it's so, 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 so rich in Chinese mythology that it like, it took me a while to read this book because it just felt like, Oh, I'm just soaking in all of this, all these cool stories because as she meets more characters, throughout the book, they end up telling her their stories and like, you know, different folklore that they know. So you get so, so much cool mythology and folklore that it was just a total blast to read. And there's all kinds of dead people in this book and Mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't end the way that you think it's going to end. And like the crazy characters that she meets, some are human and some are not. It's just a blast. Yeah. I read that book and it's really beautifully written. Like there's something very poetic about the way Yangtze Chu writes. That's, I don't know, if you want something different from a ghost story, I think it's definitely one, one to check out. Yeah. That's, that's actually sort of why this is, I mean, I, I like the book a lot and that, and that's also sort of why it won out is one of the books I wanted to talk about because, you know, it's so obvious to do, there's so many zombie books out there. I looked through a bunch of zombie books that I love and I was like, Ooh, which one of these am I going to pick? But if you're, you know, a, a discerning d- dead people book reader who wants <laughs> a little off the beaten path. I wanted to recommend something that people might not have heard of or might not think automatically like, Oh, that's a dead people book. Cool. Yeah, it's really good. I totally second that one. Bria, do you want to talk about your science fiction picks, actually, so that uh, you, you can have a chance? Uh, yeah, always. I want to. I love talking about science fiction. Bria is a sci-fi expert. I thought a lot about because when we said dead people, I was like, well, there's so many wars where people die in like science fiction books. But I, I decided to go a little bit more personal with both of my picks. Um, my first pick is Six Wakes by Mer Lafferty, who was on our show at one yes. point. She was a guest on Reading Glass. She also just won a Hugo for her podcast. That's, Thanks, oh, Tales. wow. So congratulations, Mer. Um, this is a cool sci-fi uh, book that takes place on like a ship in space. And in this universe, um, uh, people 
they ha- everybody has like has a clone, and I want to say there's six people. It's been a while since I read it, but I want to say there's six people, and they all have clones, and they can download their memories into their clone body when something happens to their not clone body. But they all wake up, and their clones have all been killed, but they can't remember what happened to to them to have been killed. So their previous bodies have all been murdered, and it becomes this sort of like murder mystery slash thriller on a spaceship which is super rad and you don't know who did it and they're all kind of suspecting each other the whole time and it's it's fascinating it's about sort of human relationships with each between the people i loved this book i could not put it down i thought it was fantastic and any science fiction nerd would totally love it but it also has this like sort of like scary thriller aspect which i think not a ton of science fiction has. So it's kind of like a genre crossing book. That sounds really good. I don't think I've ever, I haven't even come across that book and I feel like I should have, but it Um, sounds really good. I'm looking it up right now. I think it's on Orbit. Yes, it's an Orbit book. And it also got nominated for the Hugo for Best Novel this year. This year? Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. It was last year it came out, but... Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah, and it's great. It's totally worth picking up. It's not a huge book, and it's uh, it's like a you know you could get through it really fast, and it's really fascinating. And my second book is an Unkindness of Ghosts by River Solomon, um, which oh, there was just I was just looking it up when who who published that. I'm very bad with this, and Ma- Mallory always knows who publishes oh. everything. Oh, that yeah, that was like a that was an indie book, right? I don't know the publisher. Um, it is set in um, another spaceship. It's science fiction. I'm going spaceships <laughs> over here. Yes, um, spaceships. Ham on the spaceship. Um, essentially, it's in a future world in which um, sort of the antebellum South is uh, on a spaceship. So um, uh, it's a future in which all these people live on a spaceship. They're trying to find a planet that's inhabitable. That's habitable. They can live on habitable. Is that a word? Habitable. Yeah, habitable. And, and it's still, and they've divided the spaceship into the like upper class, which is all people with lighter skin and lower class, which is people who all work in the fields and they live on the lower levels. So it's very like keeping with the traditions of slavery. And then um, the main character is um, a person named Aster and they um, uh, are kind of a doctor and at the very beginning, their mom is, uh, you find out, committed suicide. And that's my dead per- person angle with this. Also, it's called An Unkindness of Ghosts. There's not that many ghosts in it. Um, I remember that completely. <laughs> not that many ghosts. But it's about her trying to figure out what's going on because not only is obviously um, Astra trying to take down this sort of like class system and, and uh, race system that has been set up, um, but also they're trying to figure out what happened to their mom because they say it was a suicide. That's what everyone said. But, uh, Aster isn't totally sure about that. So it's also sort of a mystery and also uncovering things about the ship and things about their mother's death, which is really great. It is a great, fantastic book. It was an indie, but I feel like it got some attention, but not nearly as much as it needed because this book was also nominated for a Hugo. Oh, really? And you could tell that I watched the Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> the world that River Solomon creates is so great and um, complex, but like, you know, saying a lot about obviously race and class and taking this historical moment and putting it into the future, which is really fascinating. I, they did just like, an amazing job. I, I, I loved this book and I can't say enough good things about it. 
I found out it's from Akashic Books. Ah, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank yes. you. Yes. I should have remembered that. They're I'm, great. I'm very bad at publishers and Mallory always knows. <laughs> I feel like everybody listening is like, I, I don't feel like people pay as much attention to publishers either generally. So I don't think we have to worry about anything. Yeah, we, we like to say, we. if I can yeah. remember what I like to say, but I'm not really, I'm really bad at remembering it. Jen anyway. was actually talking about An Unkindness of Ghosts in a previous show. And I have had that book on my shelf for such a long time. But there was something about it. I can't remember what exactly somebody said um, before I started reading it. Like there was a description about some like really gruesome scenes in it. And yeah. I was like, ooh, maybe this is like a book I need to be in the right mood for. Like I need to be in a very happy place or something like there are some books where you hear about them and you're like do I have to be in the right mood for this book is it gonna really bum me out and so yeah. of course with some of the themes I was like maybe yeah there's a lot of violence I mean we're talking you know it's it's essentially like slavery in space so you're having it's the same amount of violence the same amount of like horrible things that you would get from a book set in that era so like yeah you gotta be ready get get Prep yourself. Prep yourself. <laughs> Get a box the of kittens and a big candy bar. <laughs> and not only that, like there's like surgeries and things happening. So yes. it's definitely very graphic. Um, but definitely worth reading. And I think just super like fascinating and a wonderful world. I would I would read a, a many more books set in that universe. That sounds awesome. Okay. I am I am definitely going to take it off my shelf and put it in my next to the bed giant stack of books. Your giant TBR. <laughs> yeah. Take it from the other TBR and move it to the closer TBR. Okay. Um, okay, so I've got a selection of science fiction and fantasy. So I'll just start with the science fiction because this is the one. I read most recently, and I actually used this theme as an excuse to read this book because I had it. It was another one that was just on my list forever. And so my science fiction pick is Zone One by Colson Whitehead. And I'd only read uh, The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. So I was really curious about what he would do with zombies. And so here's the story. So the world has been completely fritzed by the zombie plague we all expect to happen in real life one day, or maybe just me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, but we're post-apocalyptic at this restoration phase where these teams of recruited civilians are sweeping cities, they're blasting the heads off the infected, and they're, you know, trying not to get a chunk taken out of them. And then we're seeing this new world, and specifically Manhattan, through the eyes of this person who goes by the name of Mark Spitz. And Mark Spitz, and they always call him by his full name, like it's high school in this book. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, Mark Spitz is like this be average kind of person. He spent his whole life towing the line. He's never been too good or too bad at anything. That was his life before this outbreak. And now he's on one of these civilian teams sweeping the city for the more innocuous kinds of infected people. So these are the infected who are spending their days reliving the mundane moments of their lives in a sort of dead stupor, which sounds really creepy and is absolutely creepy but the way some of these people are described and the names Mark Spitz gives them are kind of funny like there's this one he calls the Marge 
We, it's just very. I don't even want to. <laughs> I'm just I, imagining Large Marge from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, how can you not imagine Large Marge? <laughs> I often imagine Large Marge. So yeah, it's really it's got this sort of ry- there's a wryness to it, I guess. And the story is far more about the internal world than like a zombie action sequences. So I wouldn't go into this book, and I think some people were maybe a little bit jarred by this book in that. You know, they were hoping for a big action-packed zombie story that was, like, you know, going to keep you up at night because you're imagining a horde of zombies racing into your room. This is not really that. Um, It's not really a traditional zombie story because it's Colson Whitehead. So there's some genre bending. And if you far prefer plot-driven stories to the alternative, this might not be your cup of tea, but I personally enjoyed the act of getting into someone's head during a crisis um, and considering what kinds of, you know, what psychological survival would look like in a ruined world for someone who's unexceptional in that he spent his life taking this path of least resistance. And he doesn't at all represent this historic, heroic ideal where he's like the hero who swoops in or anything like that. He's also not an anti-hero. He's just this kind of everyman who's dealing with the situation that is kind of unimaginable. And then I'm literally adding this to my library queue oh, right good. now because it just sounds <laughs> amazing. And I've actually only read Underground Railroad also by Colson Whitehead, yeah. so I feel like I got I got I got to check this out. I've only ever read uh, The Intuitionist, which I really enjoyed. I've heard a lot of good things about that one, too. That one, I don't even know anything about it. So I feel like I should go into that next so that I I can go into it free and clear of any knowledge of what it's even about. Um, but okay, watching Bria put a library hold on this. This is great. It wasn't a hold. Right I, can get it. I can just get it. I this can get so it. This is exciting. Right now, while we're talking. <laughs> Live librarian, guys. This is the, this is the jam. I got mine right away. I also did a library hold. It came through immediately. I was very surprised, but I'm sure everybody is checking out the Underground Railroad because that is what his most current work is. But yeah, so it's it's very, like everything that's going on is very removed from this world he lives in now. There are like these terms like Skell and Feenies and PASD. These have all been coined specific to this life after the crisis and people die or they're lost to this longing for their previous lives. And the reading experience really initially feels like observe you're observing like the mundane aspects of a living nightmare but then there's also this quiet grieving happening in the background that gets more heartbreaking the further into the story you get and so it's like there's some stream of consciousness but it's not like Ulysses it's not that maddening uh (laughs) it's cerebral but it's not like you know the it's not like roadside picnic cerebral if you've read that book or you heard me talking about in a previous episode but it's just this kind of oddball quiet zombie story that feels very true to life and i think it's worth checking it out as bria is doing right now doing Um, it right now (laughs) also you and i are on the same page because i roadside picnic is like one of my favorite books ever. <laughs> oh, good. Awesome. Yeah, I just, I read that like a year and a half ago or something because I had the adaptation that came out based on that book called Stalker. And oh. the movie is very, it, it's even weirder than the book if that's I possible. I didn't even watch the movie. That's wild. I'll have to go check that out. Yeah, it's all in Russian. So there's subtitles. That's the only thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, I can handle yeah. it. I read. I know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, yeah, again, that was Zone 1 by Colson Whitehead. Um, and so for my fantasy pick, I decided to go with something a little bit more fun. And it's Sabriel by Garth Nix. And this is the first book in Nix's Old Kingdom series, which is literally one of my all-time favorite fantasy series ever. When I was thinking about this theme, I was like, I always do this. Like, a theme comes up and I'm like, oh, no, I've never read a book that relates to this theme. And then I was like, Sabriel is one of my all-time favorite fantasy books, it is all about dead people and necromancy. <laughs> what is wrong with me? I am so excited <laughs> that you picked this book. Oh, good. You read it? Yes. I, I read this book when I was, like, way too young to have read this book. So this is actually one, one of the top books on my reread list because I read it when I was, like, nine, I think. And it was one of those books where I was, like, consciously thinking as my little kid self was reading it. I was like, I think this book is too complicated. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I loved it so much. And this world is so incredible. It's it's amazing. I highly recommend rereading it because yeah, even as an adult, there's so much, there is so much going on and it's a big series. So um, in Sabriel, so there are two worlds. You've got your non-magical world, and you've got your magical world with this sort of boundary in between. And we meet Sabriel on the non-magical side, which is Anselstier, where she's attending this girl's boarding school. I love boarding school stories. This story does not all take place at a boarding school, so there's that. But she kind of, at first glance, seems to be a little more than like a practical, responsible, and compassionate young woman, except her father is a sort of like psychopomp living in the old kingdom where magic does exist. And Sabriel is under his tutelage. So her father had his reasons for sending her away from the old kingdom and from his style of living. Um, but then something really bad happens that forces Sabriel to leave Anselstier and take up the title of Abhorson. So where necromancers raise the dead to do their evil bidding, Abhorsons put the dead to rest. And they have really cool accessories to help them do that. As you imagine. <laughs> of course. In fantasy, you have to have your gear, your kit. Um, so Sabriel's tasked with this job of taking on a truly evil necromancer. She's kind of like a fish out of water. She doesn't know what's going on. Um, but this evil necromancer is threatening the fate of the Old Kingdom and possibly even Anselstier. So without much knowledge about the Old Kingdom and with a lot of unanswered questions, she heads into the Old Kingdom to try and save the day, fighting the dead and traversing the dangerous gates of death. And then it gets even better because there's Mogget, who is the best cranky cat in all of fiction, <laughs> in my opinion. I yes. love Mogget so much. Um, so Mogget's uh, Sabriel's companion through a lot of this book. And he's just the best. And he also makes me glad my cat can't speak human language. <laughs> uh, because he's also the worst. And then the rest of the series is excellent, too. Uh, Sabriel ends up sharing the stage with a magical librarian named Liriel. Uh, and so yes, good. yes. And Mogget shares the stage with the disreputable dog, who I also love. So if you're a dog person, don't worry, there's something in it for you, too. 
Um, and then for you too, Bria. <laughs> <laughs> Bria is a dog person. You got the dog oh, we're both dog and cat people, but Bria has a dog, and I have. Well, you get the disreputable dog, Bria. Okay. So there's that. Um, (laughs) Disreputable. (laughs) It's so good. The names are so fantastic. And there are a lot of great characters in this series. And Garth Nix is just so good at world building. So if you really love world building, this is a a great place for you to go if you're looking for some new fantasy. And you get to explore a lot more of the Old Kingdom as you get deeper into the books. There are five books total with a collection of short stories thrown into the mix. I think that's like 3.5 or something. And then there's also an Old Kingdom novella and another of his short story collections if you really just need more of that. So there's a lot of death dealing, necromancy, clairvoyance, and talking animals uh, to be had in this series. And very important to note, Mallory, if you're planning to reread this, if you like Tim Curry, the first... (gasps) Yes! (laughs) (gasps) The first oh three God. audiobooks in the series are narrated by Tim Curry. Wow. Yes. What a dream. It was amazing. I, I audiobooked yeah. my way through the entire series. I oh, cool. never even entertained the idea of Tim Curry doing an audiobook, and my mind is just completely dissolved. <laughs> Sometimes it just seems like they find the most perfect person. And, like, from the description of that book and him, I'm like, that's perfect. I'm just imagining him voicing the animals and I'm dying. Yes. With joy. Yes. Oh my God. The Moggett Tim Curry is the best Tim Curry. I like, I can't imagine Moggett's voice without Tim Curry anymore. And I don't live in a world without this. I need to get this right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I'm getting this from my library. Did you do them? You did them all in audiobook? That's I did them did? all. Yeah. Ah, cool. Yeah, it was actually. For some, I'm one of those, I don't know what it is, like, once I start a series, and this doesn't happen often because I generally have a problem finishing series, which I have confessed to on this show before, but this one, I was just like, I actually, I loved it so much that I finished the entire series, like, straight through, and because I started it on audiobook, I had to finish it for some reason on audiobook. Hmm. Um, but I was a little like it, it was hard once Tim Curry was phased out after book three. It was a nah. little. I was I was kind of sad. Don't settle for anything less. <laughs> no, right? I have a nine week wait on this. That's a bummer. And we both just added your books to our library queue. So that makes me you've so inspired happy. us. <laughs> I've added six wakes. I have Great. thankfully read. Oh, and I have to read an unkindness of ghosts. So yeah, I've got homework. Well, that's it for us. That was that went by so quickly. Thank you that guys was so, so much. much. Fun. Yeah, awesome. thank you for having us. No worries, and thank you everyone out there for listening. You can email the show at sffyeah at bookriot.com as usual, and please do review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. You can find me as usual on Instagram. I'm at szina williams, and how can they find you both? You know, we have our Instagram for our podcast, uh, Reading Glasses Podcast. And on Twitter, we're Reading G Podcast, which makes us sound like we're a reading gangster, which I guess is still That's totally awesome. fine. Totally true. <laughs> and we have a really great Facebook group. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, on Maximum Fun. Just look up Reading Glasses Podcast or Mallory O'Mara or Bria Grant. Mm, awesome. So many places. All <laughs> over the internet. <laughs> That's very cool. It'll be easy for them to find you. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you all for listening and happy reading. Happy reading. I've always wanted to.